0: Log Talk Radio. All right, fans. Here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women in the ring. a two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. Today is November 5th. My name is Felipe Leon. This is episode number 98. And with us, as always, somewhere in California is Miss Lupe Gutierrez. Lupe, how are you doing? Then?
1: I'm doing good, guys. I'm surrounded by my sisters right now. I'm visiting right. family.
0: You just uh, you just squeezed in right on time, and with us from the Inland Empire, Mr. David Avila. David, how are you doing tonight?
2: Good, good. How's everybody?
0: Good. It good. So so, to, good to so we usually have a uh, we usually have a special guest. Most of our, I would say, about 95, 96 percent of our shows, we had. Uh, a special guest Actually last show, two weeks ago We actually had two special guests We had uh, Marlene Esparza and Suley Marvina Who uh, we're going to talk about their fight In a little bit But the fact that we, there was so much boxing In the last couple of weeks And there's a little bit of boxing coming up We decided not to have a guest today So that we could have enough time To uh, Talk about all these fights that we saw And, and things that have gone on. About female boxing outside of the ring as well If you do want to call in and talk female boxing with us You can do so at 323-580-5735 323-580-5735 So let's get started uh, with our fight review On Friday, October the 30th in Mexico In a uh, card presented in uh, in Mexico City, or I think it was the state of Mexico. It wasn't actually in Mexico City. The current flyweight WBC champion, Yvette La Roca Zamora, was in a non-Title 8 run, rounder scoring a unanimous decision over Elise Flores. Scores there were 79-73 two times and 78-74. So she stays busy and awaits. The winner of the other female fight that happened the same night on October 30th from the Fantasy Springs Casino behind closed doors, Golden Boy Promotions on the Zone gave us an eight-round WBC eliminator between 2012 bronze medalist in the Olympics Marlene Esparza scoring a unanimous decision over formerly undefeated, also a highly-tweeted amateur, Uh, mostly for Mexico, Sule Morvina now fighting out of Phoenix, Arizona. The scores there were 80-72, two times, and 78-74. Talk about a little bit before we get uh, your thoughts on it. Marlene Sparza originally was supposed to face Noemi Bosquez in August after (laughs) suffering her first loss against Senegal Estrada last November. And this was her first fight back, but because of COVID, the main event in that August date was Jorge Linares. He got COVID and that fight card did not happen. So it was pushed back to October 30th. It was announced that it was going to be Noemi Bosque still. And then not too long after the fight card was announced for October 30th, Sulem Murbina was announced as the opponent for Marlene Esparza. And obviously, Everybody that knows these two female fighters knew that they had a little bit of history in the amateurs. We talked about that history on the show last time when we had them both on, and now they're facing each other in the pros, and Esparza ended up winning the unanimous decision. David, what did you see in that fight between Esparza and Urbina?
2: Uh, I saw a lot of uh, uh, technical expertise uh, shown by both fighters, uh, it was pretty exciting. It wasn't a boring fight. Uh, there was uh, Sulem uh, attacking and Marlon making adjustments and and uh, basically the only bad thing I can say about the, about the fight, even though I thought it was a great uh, entertaining fight, is that it was just too short. I mean, two eight-minute rounds is just not enough for two high-caliber fighters like this. And uh, if it had been longer and uh, three-minute rounds that would have been a
0: heck of a fight. Before we move to Lupin, getting your, your opinion on the fight, Lupin, which you saw, David, what happened with Sulermo Urbina or was it all Esparza that was just too much too much of a boxer, too technical, she had all the right answers, or do you think that Urbina at one point kinda lost her way?
2: Um, um I think I kind of think that Urbina was uh, fighting the pro style, and and basically Marlon reverted back to the amateur style, which is more of the the slap fighting uh, combination punching, which is great at, you know, at a shorter distance. So it was a sprint. uh, But, you know, if this had been 10, three-minute rounds, that wouldn't have uh, worked as well. But for that purpose, that amateur style worked very well. I think kind of caught Sulem by surprise. I think she was expecting a uh, uh, pro-style like slugfest.
0: Loopy, you watched the fight. We were all watching. What did you think of of the performances from both ladies?
1: I thought. Well, let me first say that. Um, that this is the fight that we wanted. Uh, the, the no-no, everybody loves no-no. She takes a fight anytime, anybody, anytime, but this was the fight that we wanted. And from the build-up, I mean, it was it was everything we wanted. What I saw, I saw Marlene come out. There was no way that she was going to let anybody take this title eliminator from her. Um, her boxing was on point. She came out focused. She was very confident. Um, Sulem did come out, you know, she had some good shots to Marlene, but I'm actually kind of surprised that I didn't see more from Sulem, more fighting. I mean, her jab didn't show up until the eighth round when she gave Marlene a really good double jab to space, but I was really surprised that she didn't come out a little more. And maybe, I mean, maybe it was uh, freezing from the amateurs. Maybe it was all what it was before, you know, it was just the same thing. Maybe she froze. Can, you know, I have my sister sitting right here. Can I ask her if she wants to add? Because that's all we've been talking about. Is I mean, we've talking about all these fights. So if you don't mind, and just to let everybody know, my sister is Blanca, the uh, creator of the Beautiful Brawlers. Is that okay with you guys? Because I know she probably has something sure. to say. Sure. Sure. Hey guys, um, it's good talking to you. Uh, I think the one thing that might have gotten Urbina's head uh, right before the fight is that Marlene did beat her three times in the amateurs. And I also think that she went on so many interviews to say how badly she was going to knock out Marlene or she was going to do this and that to Marlene, and Marlene stayed quiet, focused, and knew that she needed to win this fight uh, Not only did Marlene come out on point uh throwing good combinations and i i don't I don't think she really fought like an amateur I mean I think that they both reverted back they might have both reverted back to that in their minds but Man, if Sulem would have thrown more jabs instead of coming in with their face and taking those punches like that, it would have been a different fight. And I do think the scorecards could have been a little closer. But I thought, um, I thought that um, Marlana Sparza outclassed her every round. And I was talking to Mighty Melissa McMorrow, um, who also said that um, they didn't think that Ir- Irvina won that fight. And um, I just thought that she should have thrown more jabs and set it up. So that um, kept her distance from Marlene because once Marlene got in, she was um, ma- making points, you know. I just thought that also I thought that Marlene was really under a lot of pressure with Golden Boy to make sure she didn't lose that fight. You know, it would have been detrimental to her career, I believe. And if, so, I, could, if I can just add that although the cards were a little wide, I don't think it really matters, you know, because we saw who won. hmm uh-huh. Yeah, It was a I, I great, great fight for women's boxing for boxing period. It was a great fight though. But I, I yeah. give great kudos. fight. I give them kudos both.
0: Yeah, I don't agree with the 80-72. I mean, I can't walk away from that fight thinking that Urbina didn't win any rounds. Um, so I think those were, were were didn't reflect what we saw inside the ring. One thing, one thing that I real that I noticed and. Uh, that I that I kind of saw like maybe it was like in the sixth round and I saw Suleim walking back to her corner and I kinda I, I mean this is just me you know giving my opinion of what I thought I saw. But I just kinda saw her like dejected, like kinda like not knowing what to do um to be able to get back into the fight. I think that Esparza and one thing that she did kind of mention, not only in the interview with us, but in the interview in other interviews that I saw her do is that you know she does some fight re- reviews she gets together with her team and they look at their opponent and i think that's what they did they were able to study urbina well enough to be able to take away certain things from urbina's style and also to know that that right hand was going to be a key punch for esparza to land and to make a difference because i think that's the best punch that she was landing throughout the throughout the fight and for whatever reason, maybe, you know, the fact that, you know, this was a very important fight for Urbina and, and she was facing a fire that she herself admitted in the amateurs that she was a fan of and that she thought she was a really, a really good fighter. And like you guys mentioned, Blanca mentioned beat her three times in the, um in the amateurs, maybe those things got into her head where she wasn't able to execute the game plan that her husband and trainer Andrew Soto was trying to give her in the corner because he was trying to get her to go back and throw that jab and establish some distance. And she just wasn't doing it. So um, unfortunately for Lurvina, she suffers her first loss as a professional. So she's 12 and one and Marlene wins and she's now eight and one. And now it would be a matter of waiting to see when they get the opportunity to fight the WBC champion who is Samora now knowing the WBC and their lack of pushing the mandatories, at least for female f- uh, fighters um, we don't know if the WBC is ever going to mandate that fight it all depends what happens behind behind closed doors and and if Marlene's promoter Golden Boy Promotions is able to push it enough with the WBC to actually get the sanctioning body to force that fight to happen. So um, we'll see if if it ends up happening in 2021. And Esparza here on the show said that she would have to talk to her team, but, you know, that if it meant going to Mexico, maybe it would be something that she would be willing to do, but she wouldn't give us a clear answer, obviously having to speak to her team beforehand so uh anything else that any of you guys would want to add before we want to the to the next fight
2: i i think uh i I would like to add something is that if Marlon fights that style in Mexico she'll lose they don't really like that kind of style, and they won't give her credit for it i mean she could have fought exactly the same way, but they won't give her points for it because they That's really true. don't uh yeah they they like pro style and they they don't like. Yeah, which is style.
0: That's and the other thing too is that Ibe La Roca Zamora is a a she's not as technical as Marlene or Sulem, She's more of a brawler. She just goes forward and throws punches and punches and punches. I mean she's off balance. She's she 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 has a just a very aggressive, come forward style. She's not she's not a boxer at all. And if it happens to be in Mexico and it happens to be anywhere near Mexico City, Iberla La Roca Zamora would have the advantage there because she lives in the state of Mexico, which is obviously way above sea level as far as as, uh, the altitude, and Mm -hmm. that would help her immensely as well as far as her style. So, moving on to
1: the next night. Hey, I I just don't think Marlene's ready for that fight yet. And I think just like she took the fight too early with um, Sinesha, I don't think she should take a fight in Mexico with one of the best fighters coming out of Mexico. Um, I bet is good. And uh, I just think Marlene needs more experience before she fights a fighter of that caliber. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Now, one thing, about, uh, one thing about Zamora as well is that she is signed to MTK Global, which is a management company that handles a lot of fighters around the world, mostly in the UK. They're from the UK, but they're starting to pick up a lot of fighters all around the world. Um, and Ibel La Boca Zamora, I think she's one of very few Mexicans that they, that they have, and maybe they're working on getting her a visa so that she could fight in the, in the United States, so hopefully that's the case, and, and maybe we can see that fight in the United States, and that would work out for Marlene one way or the other as well. True. Now, moving on to the next night, Saturday, October 31st, Halloween here in the United States from the Wembley Arena in London, uh, England, Matchroom Boxing on the zone actually gave us three fights, three high-caliber female fights. The first one, which wasn't supposed to be broadcast on the zone app, but because other fights fell out on the uh, on the fight card, they ended up putting it on. It was a ten rounder between Amy Timlin, who at the start of the fight was four and zero, and Carly Skelly, which was who was three and zero. And despite their very very uh, uh low experience in the professional uh ranks, they actually were fighting in a 10-rounder for the vacant Commonwealth, uh, which is like a like a national British Empire, per se, uh, title, super bantamweight title. The fight was very entertaining, and it ended up in a split draw with one uh, judge seeing it 97-96 for Skelly, the other judge seeing it 96-95 for Timlin, and then the third judge scoring it an even 95-95, giving us a... Split draw. Now, one thing that I did see is that these two young ladies, obviously very raw, very uh, green, uh, but I was pretty impressed that despite it only being one four and zero oh, and three and zero, oh, they went for the ten rounds. They didn't seem to get all that tired. I mean, obviously there was a little bit of fatigue uh, in the later rounds, but they gave it it all. And I think that the uh, the draw was uh, was uh, a just uh, decision. What did you think, Loopy?
1: Well, uh, you know, I caught the last two rounds, and I didn't go back to watch it, but I did catch the last two, and I thought that, I thought they were, you know, since it was the last two, I mean, I was thinking that they were a little gassed and that Amy Amy was a little gassed, and then I was looking at, you know, well, wow, it was a 10-rounder, so, I mean, they're jumping from, you know, four rounds, six, eight, and then ten. I thought it was just maybe a little much, you know, because there is levels to it. That's what I thought, and I only saw the last two rounds. Did you see any of yeah. this, um, of Kim Lynn Blanca? I thought it was even Stevens. I thought it was even Stevens. I like yeah. the younger woman. I think she's going to be a future star. She needs a lot of work, but she's going to be a future star because of her age. She's only 20 years old. She fought a 33-year-old. I mean, she did great. Yeah, it was like a little girl fighting an older woman, but she's also really charismatic and great interviews. She's got a great future.
0: Now, the thing
1: about you know Timlin, even though she's... Think... Go ahead. You know what I also... And I, I'm just thinking, um, and I don't know if you guys agree with me, is that as maybe Eddie Hearn's kind of not rushing, but kind of yeah, maybe rushing some of the younger fighters, you know, Terry Harper, um, Amy Timlin. And I, I, I was thinking about this. Maybe he should just... Is it good to rush him, you know, into these uh, these world title fights? Or should he slow down a little bit? Is that going to be the downfall for these girls? That's what I was... Oh well, before,
0: and, and that's a subject that I wanted to touch as well, but before we go into that, one thing that I do want to mention is that Amy Timlin, despite being 20 years old, she does have experience as a kickboxer. I believe that she had an extensive kickboxing career, and now she decided to switch over to boxing. But, David, first off, what did you see in that fight? And then, second, the fight that Loopy, I mean, the, the question that Loopy posed is that, do you think that Eddie Hearn is trying to rush these women to try to, you know, uh, develop some some opponents for maybe some of the bigger names that he has under under his uh, stable?
2: Uh, I, you know, I think he sees something that we all see uh, because we we're, we have a specific interest with women's boxing. I think he sees the, the potential and I think he's going for it right now. He, I mean, he only has so much time. They gave him a certain amount of money. It's not unlimited. So he's trying to make the best he can, and I think he sees women's boxing as the, the future, as a goldmine. That, that's the way I see it. I don't know uh, if that's exactly what he sees, but that's kind of the way I see it. I see women's boxing having huge potential. Uh, England is, is proven to be a great breeding ground, and Europe uh, as a whole has is, is always been involved in women's, women's boxing.
0: Now, what did you think of the fight?
2: Uh, I thought Skelly won the fight. Uh, she started off fast. She won most of the first, uh, almost every one of the first six rounds. But then she tired, and then Timlin kind of uh, got her rounds in there. And they may, they. I mean, it's one of those fights where it depends on the judges. Uh, Timlin would, would land a couple of blows at the end of the round. Uh, Skelly would, dominate most of the round and then Timlin would land a blow or two in the first half and then in the second half Skelly, you know, she she the older fighter and she tired and then Timlin uh, took some of those rounds but it was a close now, fight, it was very entertaining
0: Yeah, it was entertaining and hopefully the, both women in their post fight interviews mentioned that they were willing to do the, the rematch so hopefully we get to see that in the coming months, hopefully in the beginning of 2021. Another fighter that was also featured on the card, and I was actually pretty impressed with her, is Ramla Ali. She, I think she's a little bit uh, older. Uh, she's 31 years old. I think that she has an extensive amateur career originally from Somalia, or I think her family's from Somalia, but obviously fighting out of, uh, out of London, England. Actually, Box Rick, uh, states her uh, birthplace as Mogadishu, Somalia, but she lives and fights out of the UK. I think that she's gotten a little bit of uh, of uh, notice by being a, a a model and 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 kind of gaining some interest there. But she ended up having a pretty a pretty good style, a very educated jab. Uh, she was able to um, to take advantage and to use her her height and her reach. Now Eva Hubmayr, who was from uh, Germany and was an, a late sub. Obviously, she was overmatched not only in, uh, in 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 skill and talent, but also in in physical advantage. But the the, the traditional verdict for Eva Hummeyer is that she probably won in law in losing because she really put up a fight and and, and she really was a really really tough woman from Germany. So. Even though Ali Ali won the fight and she was pretty impressive, Hubmayr was as well for being as tough. David.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was a that was quite a showing by uh, the German fighter. She was a tough little girl. She looked like a cashier from a supermarket or something, but mm-hmm. she was tough. And that other girl is, uh, I mean, that she's pretty talented. It, as a whole, it looks like the the British have a lot of good super bantamweights.
0: Yeah, they're starting to kind of develop uh, a lot of fighters. A lot of female fighters are starting to come out of the U.K., and even though this fight was technically a featherweight, it looks like Ronda Ali will be fighting at a, a super bantamweight weight at 122 pounds. Lupe, did you get a chance to watch this fight, and what did you think of uh, of Ali?
1: I did watch this fight. Oh, she was beautiful. She had long, striking jabs. I mean, she took it to the body. I mean, she just picked her apart. But Eva, she was all hard. And you know what? She was not, she was gassed. I think it was gassed in the third. I was thinking she took a beating in the fourth. She, but she would not give Ali that stoppage. I mean, she was saved in the bell at the fifth. If you guys remember that. Oh, my God. She was yeah. just a barrage of body and head shots. And she had she had nothing left in the tank but her heart, you know. I I thought they should have stopped it. Um, they should have stopped it, and maybe the fifth. But she gave it everything she got. Did you see uh, a Somali Somali fighter? She she's a she's gonna be a force to be reckoned with. Love that girl. Eddie Hearn smart to sign her. I don't know where he found her, but she's a great little fighter. Yeah, she came I to the hope, UK when she was a young girl.
0: I just hope they develop her. Uh, they develop her a little bit more. Even though she's 31 years old, I think that you know, obviously it comes from the amateur. She has a little bit of experience. Her style wasn't as amateurish as other fighters that we've seen. Obviously, mm. come from a, uh, a an extensive amateur background. So I think that if you give her, you know, some fights this, well, maybe a couple, one more fight this year, and and, and really her some work next year. I think in 2022 we could really have a. A good fighter there that can make some noise at 122 pounds and then lastly yeah. from that card in Wembley Arena um you know the, the what was the semi-main event was Savannah Marshall scoring a seventh round TKO over Anna Ranking in a schedule 10 rounder to capture the vacant WBO 160 pound title the official time was 159 of that round so uh, pretty much a second before the round was over, they stopped the fight, and Rankin had gone down. She took a knee, actually, in that round because the barrage of punches from Savannah Marshall were were uh, uh, swift and, and powerful, uh, not only in that round, but in that whole fight. And Marshall, to me, looked, even though she has less than 10 fights, she looked very, very uh, calm, very focused, very relaxed inside that ring against a much more experienced fighter in Anna Rankin. Anna Rankin, a fighter that has faced the likes of Alicia Napoleon and obviously Clarissa Shields. And Savannah Marshall looked very poised in taking her apart with with that jab of hers and then those combination punches. So obviously she has made no secret that she wants another crack at Clarissa Shields. We all know. But if you don't know, Savannah Marshall is the only female fighter. The only fighter that has ever beaten Clarissa Shields in the amateurs and the pros, she beat her at a world uh, a world championship uh, tournament in the amateurs, and, um, and Clarissa obviously feels that she is now the better fighter as a pro, that she has uh, accomplished more as a pro, she accomplished more as an amateur, but Marshall keeps holding that win over her, over Clarissa Shields' head, so Lupe, Lupe, what did you think of Marshall's um, performance against Anna Rankin? And if she were to face Clarissa Shields next, what do you think her luck will be in that fight?
1: I love Savannah as a boxer. I've never seen such a more relaxed boxer. When she started from the first round, I mean, it was like her body was sideways. There was no way. She left nothing. She had no target. And then she was just so relaxed. And I'm waiting I was thinking, is she going to get pummeled here? Like, is Hannah going to hit her too hard? Because, But her, it, it, it seemed as if her arms were so long, she was able to get inside from being so far away. I mean, her arms were just doing things that, I guess it looked funny because Hannah looked so tense. She was so tight and all of her, her body was so compressed against Savannah's who was just so long limbed and so relaxed. Um, and what I think, you know, this is going to be the fight that everybody wants to see. I think that it's going to be a really tough fight for Clarissa. But then, again, Marshall style, it didn't seem like she was very fast. Maybe she could telegraph, maybe Hannah Rankin was telegraphing so much that she didn't have to put all her energy out there. So she was able to beat Hannah... Without putting, I mean, giving it all her 100%. Maybe there's something that she's hiding for Clarissa that we don't see. But if it's if that's the way she's going to fight with not so fast and not so much speed, I don't I don't think she'd win, Clarissa. David, what did you th- see that? Or Blanca, do you want to? Uh, you, th- you know well, what? I, first of all, I think that Hannah Rankin went into this bout saying that she had so much more experience. Yeah, she fought good fighters. That, that she, um, she fought good fighters that she lost to, and yeah, she stepped up to the plate to fight fighters. But if she thought she was going to come in and beat Savannah Marshall, she had another thing coming. Savannah is slippery. She's calm. She's relaxed. She knows her distance, and she wasn't. I mean. There was She was totally outclassed. I like Hannah Rankin as a person, but I I really don't think that she's in the same league as Savannah, and they proved that there. And I also think that Savannah beat Clarissa when Clarissa was 16 years old. I mean, they're in their 20s now. If, I, I know a lot of people, you know, I try to stay even and not pick sides, but this is one where I would put it all out there that Clarissa will beat Savannah It's going to be a tough fight, but I don't see Clarissa losing. I mean, I'm for United States. I'm not just saying that because Savannah's from the U.K. If the fight is in the U.K., it's going to be a much tougher fight for Clarissa. She should take that fight in the United States because everybody knows that Eddie Hearn, you know, that's Savannah's his girl, so that'll be a tougher fight over there. But literally, I I just don't see why she... She can hold that over her head, but they were 16 years old, and Savannah never won the Olympics, and Clarissa won it twice. So Savannah can say all she wants, and by the way, I love Savannah. She's a good person, and she's a good fighter, but I'm not, I mean, personally, I'm not going to sit here and say that uh, that she's going to beat Clarissa uh, because I don't, personally, I don't believe that. Um, Clarissa's a strong fighter, and Savannah's a very quality Fighter, and I think she's got some really good skills, but I'm not, I just think it's a tough fight. It's a tough fight for Clarissa and in UK and in United States. It's Clarissa all the way. So we'll see. I mean, come on, you can't, how can we talk about a fight that happened when they were 16 years old? How can she hold that fight over her head? It's kind of ridiculous to me. I mean, a lot has happened in 10 years. That's personally. And true. that's why we want to see the fight. That's and, the fight. And, and,
2: yeah, Savannah but the thing is, to is that
1: about Clarissa. Savannah didn't I was, get the belt. She doesn't yeah, fight no, the I real mean, fighters.
0: Yeah. But I mean I agree with you that, that Clarissa was able to get to the to you know to the to the mountaintop of the amateur uh program and win two gold medals. And she beat her when she was sixteen, and, and Clarissa obviously has grown since that sixteen year old, but Savannah Marshall has as well. I mean you can't take that away from her. So before we move on with David and his his uh, opinion of the fight, let me pose this question to Lupe and Blanca and then David could answer it as well. One thing that Clarissa Shields, I think we're all on the same page that the favorite in that fight is Clarissa Shields. But one thing that she has uh, stated on her social media because now they have been going back and forth is that she would beat her easier. She didn't say easier, but she would beat her in Clarissa Shields' words, but I'm saying that she stated that she would beat her easier than she did um, Christina Hammer. Lupe, do you think that fight is easier for Clarissa Shields than Christina
1: Hammer was? No, not at all. Not from what I've seen... Not from what I've seen um, fighting Hannah. But then again, I know... And not from from just watching Christina Hammer's style, I, I think Savannah's a harder fight. What do you think? I think that Savannah has some great angles. She's slippery. She has some great defense. She knows her range. I think Hammer Hammer was overrated. I don't think Savannah's overrated. Mm -hmm. I I just think Hammer didn't have a good defense, and she gave up. I I just didn't like the way Hammer fought. But Savannah, I believe that knowing her range and having that longer reach, and she was slippery. She was very slippery. And I think that um, Clarissa's going to have to – really cut off the ring and, and be at, at the top of her game. I, I know that for a fact because I was really impressed with Savannah. I was I was impressed by how calm Savannah was. It almost looked like she was toying with Hannah, you know, and then when she wanted to end it, you could tell. She was building up, building up, and then when she wanted to end it, she did it. So I, I think it's a way harder fight than Hammer for me. David? That's just my opinion.
2: David,
0: first your thoughts uh, on the
2: fight, and then your answer for that question that I just posed, please. Uh, Savannah, I mean, she looked very good. She gave a, she has very good footwork. Um, she has a pretty good idea of what she wants to do. Uh, but basically she was fighting us, uh, that style that's perfect for her, is she fights a style like Clarissa Shields, who has great footwork, who has great hand speed, and who a- actually knows how to do exactly what Lupus said about cutting out the ring. She knows how to do that. And Savannah will not be able to do what she did against uh, uh, Hannah Rankin. She won't be able to do that. So it's going to come down to – it's going to be a firefight. It's going to be who lands against who first. And, uh, you know, I I think Clarissa has to uh, have the – be the favorite. Uh, regarding Hammer, I don't know. That's hard. It's hard for me to, to compare those two, Hammer and, uh, and uh, Savannah. I would like to see them fight each other first, to mm-hmm. tell you the truth.
1: I'd like to see I, I Hammer like go against.
2: Yeah, those two g- get it on first, and then they the winner fights uh, Clarissa because that would be great.
0: Yeah, I would like to see that as well first because then that way we could get – uh, I, I think that Savannah could use the, the seasoning and then obviously see a fight and kind of build it up. Now, another question another question, or, or that I have, and I'll start off with you, David, and then we'll go with Lupe and Blanca, is how much weight do you put on the fact that Savannah or Marshall was able to stop Anna ranking in the seventh round while Clarissa went the, the decision with her? Now, one thing, that has been post, that has been, that fact has been always poised, poised to to uh, to shields in uh, on on social media and she stated that she wasn't trying to knock out ranking because she was gonna fight three weeks later because she ended up fighting ranking at, at the end of November and then three weeks later she fought Femke Harmans on that HBO card but I don't understand that logic of why wouldn't you go a knockout why't you wouldn't why wouldn't you go for a knockout if you could score it? Um, because you have a fight three weeks later. I mean, you might be trying not to get a headbutt or something like that, but logic would be that you would try to get a knockout as quickly as you could on the first fight, so that way you could go in and unskated and with not so much war- wear and tear for that fight three weeks later. So how much weight do you put on the fact that Marshall was able to stop ranking and Shields wasn't able to or didn't look to do it, according to her? Oh, you asking me? Yes,
2: sir. Um, uh, I well, Marshall definitely is a harder puncher. She definitely is. Um, mm. uh, okay. they're, they're just different styles. Uh, I don't think it means anything. I mean, it because uh, it's kind of like with the men. You have a, a Diego Corrales and you had a Floyd Mayweather. Uh, Diego knocked out a guy in two rounds. Floyd knocked him out in seven rounds, and then they fight each other and. Lloyd knocks down Diego Corrales seven times. You know, it's it's just the difference of style. That's all. Savannah is a knockout puncher. Clarissa is a boxer, boxer puncher. So and it's you can't really compare.
0: Lupe, how much weight do you put on the fact that Marshall knocked out or stopped Anna ranking, and whereas Clarissa Shields didn't do it or didn't try to do it?
1: I guess it matters how much it gets into Clarissa's head. But I mean, I don't, I don't, I think it doesn't really matter too much because I think it's just two different times. You know, Clarissa fought her way back when. This is a newer fight. I, but I think it, it, the only thing it can get into her head. Blanca? Blanca? I, I think, well, I think Clarissa was still developing as a fighter. She was coming out of the amateurs fighting the top fighters at first. And she was still developing as a fighter because she was trying to get out of that. I feel like she was um, getting out of an amateur style, learning what her strength was. Um, She wasn't knocking anybody out. So, And the other thing with that is I really think that, um, I don't know, Marshall landed that beautiful body shot, the barrage of punches. And I also, I believe Hannah's eardrum was Mm. broken or popped or whatever happened. So, I don't put a lot of weight on it, but it, it definitely looks good for Savannah. It definitely mm-hmm. looks mm-hmm. good for Savannah.
0: I think we can go on the record to say that more than likely, Clarissa Shields is not a knockout artist, even though she says she's trying to develop a knockout style and to sit on her punches and try to knock people out. But her last knockout, she only had two knockouts in, uh, in 10 fights. And her last knockout was Nikki Adler. It was a TKO, it was a technical knockout, and it was a TKO in five rounds back in 2017. Since then, she's fought Tori Nelson, Anna Gabriels, Anna Rankin, Femke Hermans, Christina Hammer, and Ivana Habazin and all of them have gone the distance with her, with Habazin, her last fight, going down in the sixth round but getting up and surviving to the end of the of the fight. Nothing wrong with not being a knockout fighter, especially with the fact that you know it's two-minute rounds and it's harder to get a knockout, but you know, she has stated that she's trying to develop a knockout power and she's trying to knock people out, but she hasn't done it since 2017. Did you want to say something, David? I think
1: Savannah knocks out, uh, I think Savannah would knock out Hammer too. That's just my personal opinion.
0: I think I want to see that fight now that David mentioned it. uh, I think that's a, a uh, (laughs) a good fight in between because because as far as we know, even though nothing's been official, but Christi- uh, Clarissa has been alluding to the fact that she has a fight coming up in December. So if you could fight, if if they could make a fight. And then, actually, Christina Hammer was supposed to fight this last weekend, and her fight fell through because of, I think, some COVID issues. Germany is starting to spike up, so they canceled it. So if they can make that fight with uh, Marshall, like in January, and Clarissa fights in December, and then sometime in the – Early summer or late spring, they do Shields Marshall. I think that's perfect. Uh, perfect scheduling right there. So um, see if that happens. The same night in the Cancun, Mexico, on on Televisa. This is the first fight card that was uh, broadcast since the pandemic, pandemic or COVID-19 hit um, all over the world. Uh, Promociones del Pueblo gave us two female fight cards, well, two female fights on the card. Only one was actually broadcast on the on Televisa. One of them, Yesenia Gomez, who is the 108-pound uh, WBC light, lightweight champion, it was originally announced that she would be defending her, uh, her title against Mirna Sanchez, a 5-0 no one-draw fighter at the start of the fight. But then it seems like the fight was reduced to an eight-rounder so it was actually not a uh, a world title fight as far as what we've seen some reports because BoxRec is not reporting. They're reporting as a 10-rounder. I've seen it as an 8-rounder in other reports. So um, I don't know what's going on there. But the fight that we were able to see was the surprise win of former Super Bantamweight IBF champion Julian Luna Lacobrita scoring a lopsided unanimous decision over – Mariana La Barbie Juarez uh, capturing the WBC 118 pound title. That would have been Mariana Juarez's 10th defense of that title that she won about three years ago. But what became the story of the night was Mariana Juarez's complaint in between, I think it was in between the seventh and eighth round where she mentioned to her corner that she felt, Luna's punches as too hard, and that she wanted her corner to check her gloves after the fight. Uh, the after the fight, her corner did check the gloves. They went in and checked the gloves. Not only did, did 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 the corner check them, but also the on-site doctor, the supervisor, the commission, and Mariana's own promoter, Osvaldo Cucle, of Promociones del Pueblo, and they all found nothing wrong with her gloves. And, but despite of that, Juarez insists, keeps insisting that there is something going on with the gloves, and she, and she wants an immediate rematch despite losing all the rounds on two cards and only getting one round on the third card. David, I don't know if you have a chance to see the fight. What did you see in the fight, and what do you think of the whole uh, controversy regarding the gloves?
2: No, I wasn't able to see the fight. I did see one round. Uh, I did see that Luna was dominant in that one round. And uh, it seemed that Mariana was very slow. I've never seen her that slow. Maybe she just had a bad day. And, um, I mean, but I can't base it on that one round. I would like to see the whole 10 rounds. But, uh, you know, everybody has a bad day. Maybe that's it, or maybe she is too old. I don't know.
0: Lupe and Blanca,
1: did you guys get a, uh, get a chance to see the fight? Yeah, we saw it. And we saw Yuliana um, uh, dominate the fight. David, she dominated it. And she just... I yeah. mean, you, we've never seen Barbie get hit like that. we ever never seen her get bloodied like that. But this girl, she's 26. She has a beautiful body, beautiful long arms. I mean, she was just in there with her combinations. Um, and what happened... Well. Are we talking about what happened after, or just the fight? No, go ahead. You want to add the fight? No. Well, then we know, can get to what happened after. The Cobrita Luna fights, like, I don't know if you guys know Herbie Estrada, who's the promoter out here in Southern California. He has a daughter by the name of Paola Estrada.
2: Yes.
1: Paola mm-hmm. Estrada was one of the best amateurs, and she went pro a little bit, had some bad decisions in the amateur. She should She should have been able to get to the Olympics, but you know how it goes, politics, but... She reminded me of Paola Estrada. She used her her length, her movement, and she was landing some solid blows. Yeah, she's not not a power puncher, but it's like Barbie was walking in into stuff. And the other thing with Barbie is, you know, I have a lot of respect for her. She gets in the ring, and she does her thing, and Mexico loves her. But I think her time is up. I think it's, you know, it, it's like almost like Tio Fimo. This girl, uh, Cobrita, is like the takeover. She came huh. in and she did. What she just took over. So, no, no disrespect to Barbie on her skill level, but you know, I, I, she has a lot of fights, and I think her, she should stop fighting now. I yeah. personally, I think she should stop fighting. And if you look at her face, I mean, how many punches do you walk into to get that bloody and that swollen? There was many punches shot to that face. So, yeah, and I mean, all the younger Foxers are taking over. They're fighting the older ones at the right time. You know, but what ha- I mean, we, we talked about this a lot. Um, so she she thinks there's something in the gloves, and, yeah, that's the time to say something, right? I mean, right then and there, you have to say something. And what she did, you know, she spoke up, and she did what she had to do. But to come back again after when Luna's being interviewed, that was really bad, and it looked bad. And it, it made me sad because Barbie's a legend, and we love Barbie, and for her to go out like that, I hope that's not how she's going to Well, no, the thing is, is that these older fighters, you know, they're legends at some point. I mean, you couldn't compare it to, look it, you're going to have the same thing maybe happen, and I'm not And I'm not dissing Layla McCarter, okay? I'm not going to just come out and say that I think she's too old to fight. But I'm. you're going to see that if Layla also goes up against someone younger, just like Mariana Juarez is going up against someone younger and talented, you're going to see the difference between a young fighter and a veteran who has a lot of skill, but maybe, you know what I mean? I mean, they they were great in their day, but I think that, um, you know, the, all those punches, all those fights, it makes a difference. And I want to see, uh, you know, personally, I want to see what happens with uh, someone like Layla McCarter, you know, who, what if, what if Layla, and this is not off subject. I, it, it very much is on subject with the same thing with um, Barbie. Is they're older, they're they're legends. They've had a lot of fights and a lot of titles. But what's going to happen? You know, just like what happened to Barbie, is that same thing going to happen to someone like Layla McCarter when she fights somebody younger too? And and that's something that they should be very careful of. You know, they have, um, they're older. They want to be able to talk and and uh, be able to think clearly. And enjoy their life after boxing, mm-hmm. so that that concerns me about Barbie, and it also concerns me about someone like Layla too that uh just to be totally honest, because I really care about the welfare of female boxers, you know um they say we get concussions more than men, they say that the effects on uh women uh, might be worse than men, depending on what their punishment was, so that that concerns me about Barbie well.
0: I mean, it's it's a story that we've seen time and time again in boxing, where the fighter. I mean, Barbie's 40 years old. 40 years old. So the fighter that kind of overstays their welcome for a little bit too long, and I think that's exactly what we saw on on Saturday night. The other thing too is I can't. I gotta give Luna credit because she was very focused. She was very poised inside that ring as well. I mean, she wasn't falling into any of Barbie's traps. Her feints. Her her. uh her intents to try to make it a bra and not a boxing match. And Luna was, Luna just did, she fought her fight. She knew she had to stay on the outside. She knew she had to start with that jab and score combinations to the body and to the head. And she did just that. Now, as far as the gloves, I mean, there's a certain protocol. And I think that everybody that, that's on this uh, show knows what their protocol is, especially when it comes to uh, world title fights where the gloves, are chosen the day before after the weigh-in between both camps. Both camps um, inspect the gloves, and they sign off on the gloves that they're going to wear and their opponent's going to wear. Then either the commission or the supervisor for the sanctioning body takes the gloves overnight and then turns them in to each camp before the fight and in the dressing room so they could put them on and start warming up towards uh, for the fight. They should be a supervisor there from the commission, um, and their sign-off as well on the gloves, as well as the hand wraps. And the fact that they were checked after by everybody, including Barbie's mm-hmm. promoter, can kind of give us the, the idea that there's nothing wrong with those gloves. I just don't like the president that this might say. What if Urbina would have said, hey, you know what? I feel I feel esparza's glove, I don't know, her punch is too hard. I didn't expect her to hit me so hard. So I want her gloves inspected, you know? it just sets a bad precedent that now that, that they weren't expecting Luna to hit so hard because she only has three knockouts in over 20 fights. So I think this is why this is very cunning. I mean, she is a, a fighter that has been a pro for 21 years, a way of her, you know, building up so much controversy or enough controversy that people start thinking, well, maybe she does deserve the rematch. You know, I don't think she deserves the immediate rematch. If anything, I think that fight against Jackie Nava is still a viable fight because there are two names. And despite Mariana Juarez losing her last fight, Jackie Nava in her last fight, she didn't fare as well, that well either. I mean, she ended up getting a draw, but the general consensus was that she lost that rematch against Marcela La Tigresa Acuña. So that's the fight that they've been talking about. That's the fight that... You know, we all want to see, even though they're a little bit long on the twos, so, so why not see it? I don't see this loss to Luna making a big difference unless Jackie Nava says, well, I don't care about the fight anymore because she doesn't have a title and it doesn't really matter to me. I don't think that's going to make a difference as long as there's money there. And I think that's the the biggest paycheck for both of them. I think both of them will be interested in that fight. Anything else you guys would like to add before we move on? Yeah. Okay. So moving on to that same night on Halloween on Halloween night, but this time in Las Vegas from the bubble at the MGM Grand on ESPN Plus, Mikaela Mayer scored a unanimous decision over Eva Branica of Poland. Uh, the scores there were 188 two times and 98 89. Branica was deducted two points for holding, and with the win, Mikaela Mayer becomes the new 130 pound super featherweight champion. At that time, at the fight, the title was only available for mayor since Branica, in her first attempt, attempt at weight, she came in at 130.9. She ended up cutting her hair, uh, sweating, trying to sweat it out for an hour. They gave her an hour to try to lose the point nine. She cut her hair. She, she did some exercise. She ended up, I think, stripping down, and she still came uh, – over 0.1, so 130.1. So she lost her title at the scale. It would have been, I believe, her sixth defense, her first time outside of Poland. And it didn't really matter since Mayer pretty much dominated the fight. And the two points that were deducted from Bronica for holding didn't really help her cause either, David. I know that you were a big uh, proponent against holding. You hate with a passion holding. Um, and, you, and that was one thing that you had mentioned in the shows before, since this fight was announced, that Bronica is known to hold, that she doesn't really get a monastery for it in her hometown, in, in her home country, in Poland, because she's such a star over there. Actually, Eva uh, Piakowska, I believe, um, yeah. was on the show mm-hmm. with us. She mentioned the holding. She mentioned how Eva Bronica, in her opinion, gets away with it in Poland. But here, she was warned for it numerous times and she was uh, penalized for it twice with two points. And basically it, it, was, it was a, a dominating performance by Mayer. Now, one thing that I wanna say before we go to David's opinion is I was kind of impressed by Branica. Actually, I was expecting her to move a little bit more and not be so stationary, but she was willing to exchange with Mayer, but obviously the holding didn't help her. And I think that was a, a big detriment that when she realized that the holding wasn't going to work, she didn't really know what else to do, David.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a bad technique, and it's something that a lot of European fighters do. Uh, I mean, not all of them, but, but they love to hold, uh, and, and that's their form of defense. In fact, there's a lot of Americans that do that. In the amateur programs, uh, at the high level, They like they don't really teach how to fight inside, they just uh, teach holding. They call it clinching. And um, but I mean, I didn't expect anything uh, less. I I knew that Ma- Michaela Mayor was going to take care of her. Uh, but I did think that Mayor would be prepared for the holding and and not even allow her to hold her. But but I guess you know she has to learn that there's way. Well, I'm sure she was taught how to avoid it, but she didn't do it. But still, oh, Mayor I, won. Oh,
0: so you but, thought that Bronica was taught how to not hold, but she wasn't able to avoid it?
2: No, no, uh, the the opposite. Mayor knew that Bronica uh, was going to hold her, and she was yeah. training for that. But yet, she still allowed her to hold her. And well, actually, she should. Go,
0: go
2: ahead. ahead. Finish, finish, go ahead, David. Finish up. Oh well, she. You know, when you're taught to, uh, you, there are ways you can prevent a person from holding you mm-hmm. and mayor didn't use those those uh skills she she just fell into the trap mm-hmm.
0: I, w- what I did see in the previous to the fight while they were warming up for the fight is that her coach al mitchell was they were actually working on that she he was she was putting up her forearm and pushing back and then trying to score with an uppercut on the on the mitts as she was warming up to go to the fight. So at least in warming up, and I'm sure in the gym, in, in camp, they worked on it, but I guess doing it with mitts and your trainer is a lot easier than doing it with an actual opponent that is actually trying to not only hold but to score punches as well. Uh, Loopy, what did you think of Mayer's uh, performance?
1: You know, I watched a post-interview uh, with Coach Allen Michaela, and he was um, – Telling how they were training for five to six weeks, we were working on it. You didn't do it. He was telling us. But sure. <laughs> um, I guess I guess um, when you're fighting somebody like Ewa like to hold, it'll make for uh, Michaela dominating every round, in my opinion. But it makes it um, for a boring for a boring fight, even though Michaela clearly won. And you know, Eva was forced to exchange when she was told she wasn't able to hold. And you know, and I also think the two points being taken off, I. Uh, I didn't really like it. I was like, really? Just let him fight. I mean, Michaela didn't need that. Um, Wow. But it was kind of, it was my least exciting fight out of the weekend. But I still loved it because I wanted um, Michaela to beat Ewell with all the trash talking she did. And that's another thing. All the trash talking you you did and you couldn't even make weight on the scale, I guess that's another story. But uh, Mm. I did dominate and and I did think it was my least exciting fight of the weekend but I'm still happy for Michaela. I mean she didn't even get the belt there, but she got it today. See? I'm not uh, so the I'm one good. thing yeah. I the one thing I take out of that is and I'm not I'm not trying to I don't want to be inappropriate, but I'm really not too impressed with European fighters right now. I mean I, I just they don't um they it's just like when Clarissa fought Nikki Adler you know, the they have these champions over there and then they come out here and they're just not as good as some of the other fighters. So I, I don't think she was that challenging for Michaela. And I'd like to see Michaela fight, you know, um, oh, that's gonna um be I'd like fight. to see her fight uh someone like that, someone who will make it a better fight for her. Um yeah. and I'd like to see her fight Terry Harper. You know, somebody that's just a little bit better than what Iwa was
0: yeah I mean I think that's uh, those are the fights that we all want to see, but this was the first step, i believe towards those fights because, like Mayer stated in her post fight uh interview that you know she called out harper she she expected to fight harper for the w b c title, but they decided to go with um uh, with uh, her last opponent or yeah and and, and that Eddie Hearn and, and Harper had stated that Mayer needed to win a title first to make that fight. Well, now Mayer has the title, and she expects to make that fight soon. So I think that's going to happen. I think that this was the first step, and, uh, and then we'll see what happens from there. But also that Hamadouche fight uh, is also uh, very interesting. And then the Hugh Min Choi from uh, South Korea also uh, should be in the mix as well. Now, we have a caller calling in from New York. 917-740. He's been on a hole. he or she has been on a hole for quite a long time. So let's patch him in and see who we have on the line. 917, welcome to the two minute round. Hello, Nine one seven seven four zero. Who do we have on? Nobody. Hello? Oh, so I guess, uh, I guess they don't want to speak. So they're just listening to the show. So I'll bring them in a little bit later if they want to they wanna talk. But it was nine one seven seven four zero. where we brought you on, and, and uh, they didn't want to talk. So um, this is the two-minute round. This is episode number 98, where we just uh, are talking about all the fights that happened in the last two weeks. I'm Felipe León, Mr. David Avila, Lupe Gutierrez, and a special guest, Blanco Gutierrez, as well, here on the show with us. So speaking about Mikael the Mayor today, actually today, in Puerto Rico, she was there with her manager. What's her man, George? What's his last name, David? George
2: Rodriguez.
0: George Ruiz. Reese, George oh, Ruiz,
2: yeah. Ru- oh, yeah.
0: Reese. yeah, George, with her manager, George Reed and Mikaela Mayer were in Puerto Rico today for her to receive her official WBO super featherweight title. One thing that, that happened after the fight is that, according to Bramica, they didn't bring the, tie, the belt to the ring like as it's accustomed to that they left it in the locker room so when mayor won she wasn't able to pose with the belt because it's tradition that the the champion brings the belt and if she's beaten by the challenger then the belt the challenger is given the belt she takes the pictures and then behind closed doors um they give the belt back to the champion and then the challenger now the champion in this case mayor would get her uh, super featherweight title either in a ceremony like today's or in the mail. Uh, She decided to go to Puerto Rico and take it uh, from the hands of the Mm -hmm. WBO, which she did. And she stated in her social media with the images of her and her new pink belt that one down three to go. So she is on course Mm -hmm. to try to go after those three other belts. Now, if it was your choice, David, and I think we talked about it a little bit a couple minutes ago, but if it was your choice, what would be the order of those three other fights to unify the division?
2: Uh, I would go after the biggest money, um, and that would probably be Terry Harper.
0: I agree. And then... uh, And then... uh. Then Maiva Hamadush, and then at the end, uh, Me Choi, if you could get her.
2: Yeah, that would be. Do you guys
0: agree, Lupe and
1: Blanca? Well, I guess whoever wins, um, Terry Harper versus Sanders next week or whenever.
2: Good point. <laughs> it
1: would be the choice, right? Which that's exactly. going to be.
2: Exactly.
1: That's going to be good too. So it might be yeah, Sanders. Yeah, Sanders. We don't know, but I think the fight is uh, Maiva Hamadush. But uh, since she's busy uh, fighting amateurs at the moment, yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> but that would, to me, that's suffice. Who do you? I, bet, I know you agree with that too. With Maeva Hamadouche being, yeah, I think McKayla that's a good fight. fight. I, I think Michaela can fight anybody. I think she could fight Harper. I think she could even go after Jessica McGaskill if she wanted to at 140 oh. and 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 uh, win all those titles. So she has a lot of options if she wants to move around too. I, I definitely think she's. Um, She's developing well, and I I think she's better than Harper. Uh, yeah, personally, I think she beats Harper, so I don't think Eddie Hearn... If Eddie Hearn is as smart as I think he is, he's kind of probably wait a while before he puts Harper in front of Michaela. Uh, I,
0: I agree with uh, with Blanca as well. I think that Michaela Mayer could be a force to be reckoned with in the next four to five years, and I think that she could sweep from 130 to 140, and if and I believe that they would, with with the team that she has, with top ranking, with uh, George Reese uh, and Al Mitchell and everybody there. That if they put some muscle mass on her, she could go up to 147, and not and why not even 154 with her height and her reach, you know. But if she could make 130, do 130, do 135, go going in order, you know, and just keep going up. And I think yeah. she could win titles in all those divisions. I think, and she's just getting better and better. So. Um, the only thing that worries me and I hate to be a Debbie downer is that mr. Al Mitchell who obviously they have a beautiful relationship and she's learned so much from from him he's he's an older guy he's an older guy so we don't know uh, how much I mean hopefully it's a lot 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 longer that he has with her but you know it's gonna take some time to to put a run like that together from 130 to 147 and maybe even 154 you know so uh, so, uh, but I think that she has potential to do everything there. Why not 160? I mean, I think. I mean, if she puts on muscle mass and she's at 147, 154, why not 160? I think she's as tall, if not taller, than any other girl that 160. Anyways, so why not fight them as well all down, down, down the line once she she makes history and wins titles in all those other divisions. Now. Uh, moving on to the next, uh, the next uh, subject here. Former world champion, now promoter Marcos Chino Maidana uh, of Argentina announced today in his social media accounts that he has signed an exclusive promotional contract with former world champion Erika La Pantera Sarias, also uh, of Argentina. You know, wow. Last we heard of Farias, she was trying to make the Argentina Olympic team, which I believe she's still trying to do that. And in her last pro fight, she dropped the majority decision in the rematch to Jessica McCaskill in October of last year. So she's lost two in a row. She was a 140-pound champion, but now she has uh, Mr. Marcos Maidana as a promoter. And... When you got a little bit of support like that and you got a guy that has a little bit of money and is willing to invest it in you, then, you know, you could start building up again and hopefully uh, working towards another world title opportunity. How soon that's going to happen, we're going to have to wait and see.
1: Do you guys know the details of the contract? Like what do they want? Um, I know they're all Argentinian. She's 36. You know, we all know. What what are the details?
0: Well, I mean, we wouldn't know the details, but I mean, we wouldn't know the details, but I believe, I mean, I mean, I haven't heard of, I think that he has a couple other fighters, but that's the whole point that even though I think he has a couple other fighters signed, I don't know their names and I don't remember their names, but I do know who Erika Farias is. So this might be the biggest name so far that he has on the stable. And with this, she's well known in Argentina. I mean, I visited Argentina a couple of years ago, and I talked to some people, and I actually had a chance to talk to Jessica Latuti Buff. And boxing is not as big as it is in Mexico, or it's starting to be in England, or it's as big as in Germany. Female boxing, actually, boxing in general. I mean, Argentina is a full-on soccer country, and um, but if there is some known fighters in Argentina and female known fighters, it's gotta be Marcela Cunha. Tuti Bob, and Erika Farias. And so if you have one of them under your, your banner and you're able to hopefully get some kind of TV date, then you start building something up there. So I don't know if it's for five years. You mentioned she's 36. At the end of the contract, she'll be 41. I don't know if she's going to be fighting for that long. So maybe the contract is only like a two-year, three-year contract. Who knows? But the fact that she is kind of somehow known and she is a former world champion in, in her country – I think that helps Maidana start getting some uh, doors open in, in Argentina and maybe even get some TV fights for her, and, and see where it goes from there. All right, so moving on uh, to the upcoming calendar. Uh, on Before we move on to the upcoming calendar, anything you guys want to add? Any tidbit of news for the fight chatter or anything like that? As far as the beautiful brothers, I saw that you guys kind of – put out a little teaser for your next uh, huge female uh, amateur tournament. It says TBA, but can you kind of give us a roundabout? What needs to happen for you guys to actually pull that off?
1: Uh, well, we got a lot of mandates in um, California right now, so we can't even have a show till March 2021. But we have uh, three shows planned out. Uh, one of them is we're going to bring out all the babies first, all the little ones, um, and because there's a lot of talent with the little girls. And um, the fight goes, the fights are quicker. Um, and then the next show we're going to, that's a surprise. I've got a big surprise coming for the second show. And then on the third show, we're going to have our big show. Um, I've got different people that are talking and trying to coordinate with me on these shows. So I see nothing but big things for them. And I really like the amateurs. And I'll tell you this. The reason I love the amateurs is because they, put, they fight anybody you put in front of them. And from the littlest ones all the way into the elite, they'll fight anybody anytime. So. And they're always fighting their friends. They're always fighting their uh-huh. friends. But, we, you know, we do these camps. We have another private camp coming up um, next week. It's going to be pretty private, about 10 girls and people that we're going to focus on for the shows. But like these teasers, I have to put something out there because a lot of these girls are um, – got to give them something to look forward to. And um, it's just a real bummer that we can't do anything in California. The next fights for the females out um, amateurs are in December in Louisiana, and those are the – uh the nationals so we'll see what happens there and if they actually have the fights and hopefully covid doesn't surge but i mean the little ones are going to uh, bring it back for us and then um we're going to go for the bigger girls but i'm I'm really looking forward to it because we have some big names behind us that are going to support us in this thing and um every show gets bigger you know so not we'll the nationals
0: the- the Nationals that you mentioned for next month in Louisiana, are those going to be behind closed doors as far as you know?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're going to be behind closed doors. I'm pretty sure they're going to they, allow two coaches in. And one guest. Yeah, one maybe person. one guest. And I think what they might try to do is have somewhere um, where the parents can watch all the fights together. But they have a lot of COVID rules they have to follow. So they they were having a meeting tonight about that. I didn't join in on that meeting, but – I'm pretty sure they're going to limit the amount of coaches, limit the amount of um, people mm-hmm. in there, and pretty much just the fighters. Are
0: they going so, to test the
1: fighters? Of, excuse me?
0: Are they going to test them for COVID, the fighters?
1: You know, I believe, you know, they're talking about testing the fighters for COVID. Um, I believe that's going to happen. But, you know, they have an, so many fighters signed up. I don't know how they're going to do all that. They have 1,300 Fighters signed up for national I mean, wow. and will they test them every day? So I, you know, I think they're still trying to figure all that out. But I believe there's going to be testing. I mean, they've been wow. having test wow. events, you know, since they were able to, and it's and it's kind of not fair for California because um, the other states have been getting more work, uh-huh. you know, and getting to compete, and then California's going to come out from not even supposed to be sparring, you know, and then going right. to the nationals. So how fair is it? But they have to I wonder boxers signed up.
0: But I don't think that USA boxing would pick up the tab on on testing 1300 fighters, would they? I, would well, it be I you think, think it would be, be
1: I think they got money. I I believe that USA got money from the COVID funds. Mm. I really do. I, I mean, I'm just saying that they on a personal note for my gym, they uh surveyed everybody who owned the gyms. And they wanted to know if we were losing how much money we were losing, what was happening with us, and we all have our stories where we're all struggling, so they took all our stories, they took our surveys, and they ended up getting um some kind of uh payout when like COVID, COVID really payout, and they kept it. so I'm sure they're going to use all that to throw the nationals
0: so that's convenient. They ask for you guys for your guys' stories, but they keep the money. That, that's kind of well, weird,
1: right? I know. You know what? I know. But that's how it works, when, especially when you're a bigger corporation like them, you know, and they get paid. Um, they, it's just, they have a lot more clout, you know. They did – I'm going to be fair. On USA Boxing offered uh, – they gave out $800 to, part, to gyms that showed that they were in hardship, and, but they had to show receipts and the, all this, had all these stipulations. You know, I didn't, get, I didn't get that. I've been a member of USA Boxing since 2005. I've paid so much money in dues. I've contributed to the sport in many ways, and I didn't even get 800 bucks. Thanks a lot, mm. USA Boxing. But, hey, well, <laughs> on the other hand, I've had a lot of opportunities to do a lot of great things, and there's just not enough money to go around. And if it were up to me, I would give the money back anyway so that the kids can be tested and have a safe uh, tournament because you know that's what's most important
0: very well David anything that you want to add to the fight chatter before we move on to the upcoming calendar
1: no no
2: I'm good
0: okay so moving on to Friday November 6th from actually tomorrow night from St. Petersburg Florida on the Impact Network and this would be I believe the first fight uh, fight card broadcast by this network and correct me if I'm wrong because there might have been one before, but I'm not 100% sure. But on this one, yes, has. There will be, they have one before, right?
2: They've had uh, several before.
0: Oh, okay. So on this one, what will be featured is Kaylee, Kali, how do you pronounce her first name, Loopy? Kaylee,
1: Kaylee Reese. Kaylee,
0: Kaylee, Kaylee Reese will be taking on Candy Wyatt. In a ten rounder for a hundred and a hundred and forty pound vacant a uh, WBA world title. Obviously, if we go a little bit back on the story, this is a fight that uh, Reese's team had announced on Facebook, and Layla McArthur actually through Facebook uh, answered and said that she wanted to take the fight. There was a back and forth, and at the end of the day, the fight against Layla McArthur was not made, but. It was made against Candy Wyatt. What do we know of Kelly Reese and Candy Wyatt? Well, let's see real quick here. Um, Kelly Reese has a record of – give me one second. She's 16-7 and with one draw. She has five knockouts. What we do know about her is that she's kind of gone up and down in weight. She started around the 160 mark, and then she actually went down to 147 to take on Cecilia Breakhouse a couple years ago on HBO. Dropped Cecilia, Cecilia in that fight, but still ended up losing a unanimous decision. Um, She's gone as far up as uh, 1, 159, 158. So yeah, she's gone up all the way to 160 for some fights there. She has uh, she lost against Alexandra. Lopes, a fighter that we saw fight um, uh, Cecilia Breakout, I believe, fought her on HBO as well. She has a loss against Tori Nelson, a loss against Miquela Lauren, a loss to Hammer, to Anna Gabriel. She got a win against Victoria Cisneros and one against Maris- Marisela Cornejo. She lost against Hammer and then in her last three fights, she's won all three of them against Ashley Curry, Sidney LeBlanc, uh, Tiffany Woodward. Actually, no. Those was those were the three fights we see between Before Cecilia Breakhouse, she loses to Cecilia Breakhouse, and then she's won three in a row as well. Patty Ramirez, who is uh, Patty Ramirez, Silvia Sabados, and Patricia Juarez. Patricia Juarez, the sister of Mariana La Barbie Juarez. Candy Waya is ten and one with three knockouts from Canada. Twenty-nine years old. And her one loss came to Cristina Leonard Artu back in March of 2019 for the vacant WBO super lightweight title. So that was another title. So this is her second um, opportunity for a world title. She's won her last two fights against very uh, questionable opposition in Diana Gonzalez and Beatriz Adriana Aguilar Jimenez. And now she'll be facing Kaylee Reese tomorrow night on the Impact Network for the. vacant WBA uh, world title. Is it an easy fight, David? Is it a sure thing for Katie Rice to take this world title?
2: Um, Well, first off, uh, both fighters are managed by Brian Cohen. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. uh, Second is, uh, I saw the fight with um, uh, Christina Linarda too, and uh, Katie Wyatt wasn't bad. She wasn't bad. Uh, She wasn't a bad fighter. Um, I think uh, huh. Kelly Reese, uh, she, because she's fought at middleweight, she's going to be the stronger fighter. Um, it's just, uh, it should be a, a competitive fight.
0: Wow, okay. That's interesting. I didn't know the, the fact that uh, both of them are actually managed by the same person. Uh, and a well, fight hey,
1: that, hey, go
0: ahead, go ahead, Blanca.
1: Hey, I'm just saying, the um, first of all, Kaylee Reed fights for all nations. She's indigenous. She's our sister personally. She's one of my favorite fighters um, because she fought anybody, anytime. And while other people weren't taking those fights against top opponents that she's lost to, she's the one who stepped up and, to the plate and fought them no matter what. Even when she was just starting her career, she was fighting good fighters. Uh, the thing with uh, Kaylee Reed fighting, uh, she's managed by Brian Cohen. She's fighting... Another uh, fighter that Brian manages. That's because McCarter. I don't know what the hell happened, but she said she wanted to take the fight. Next thing you know, um, there's article. You know, the article that came out that she was going to take the fight, and then she steps away. It's like, you know what? If you if you're going to take a fight, if you know if you're the amazing Layla McCarter, and I'm not trying to be an, messed up here, but you go out you go on social media, you post that you're going to take the fight, and then you back down out of the fight. I mean, and then on top of that, you don't, you know, Brian Cohen puts the heat on and just, you know, if you say you're going to take a fight, take the fight. You know, it was a good fight. It would be a great fight between McCarter and Kaylee Reese. Now Brian has to, you know, find last-minute opponent, and he's fighting, you know, taking a girl, um, that he manages to put up against her, Kaylee needs to fight. And after she drops Cecilia Brackett, nobody wanted to fight her. And that's the same reason why I think McCarter didn't want to take this fight. I'm not going up just against McCarter. I'm just saying that if you say you're going to take a fight and put it all over social media, you better, you better take the fight. And, and for whatever reasons, contracts not good, this and that, whatever the reasons were, now she's fighting a girl in Mexico that's six four and one. I mean, come on. What do you think of that, Felipe? I mean, I just I, for well, me, i, mean, I'm when like, I think about like, what the is hell
0: that, is that? I, well, the thing about the contract, I mean, I can't, I can't comment on the contract because I never saw the contract. You know, I didn't see the contract. I don't know what was said, what was agreed upon. That's why social media, in one way, could be great, but in the other way, it can't be great because, like you said. You know, she kind of paints herself into a corner saying that she'll take the fight on social media. So everybody's expecting her to sort of take the fight. And then she kind of gives up gives up her negotiating power because she already says she's going to take it. And then they might not offer her something that she thinks is fair or something that she's not willing to, to sign. And now she's being called you know, she's being called for not taking the fight because she already announced it that she would take the fight, and that's the problem with social media. Now, you guys, Blanca, Lupe, David, we all know boxing is boxing, and sometimes you fight good fights, great fights, and sometimes you take a fight to stay busy. Now, the 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 fighter that Layla McCarter is facing in Mexico, her record, obviously, she's going to be overmatched. She doesn't deserve to be in the ring with Layla McCarter, but like you mentioned, Kelly Rice, after she knocked down Cecilia uh, Breakout, nobody wanted to fight her, but she fought three times. Why? Because she needed to keep busy. Patty Ramirez, the fight that she took after, she had an 11 and 5 record, respectable, respectable record. But after that, in a keep, keep busy fight, she fought Silvia Sabatos, 18 and 12. And then after that, in a keep busy fight, she fought Patricia Juarez, Barbie's sister. 4-1. So, if we're going to call out Layla McCarter a fighter with a with a record that doesn't deserve to be in the ring with her in a keep busy fight, then we got to shine the light on the, the record of the fighters of the of the opponents that other fighters have faced in keep busy fights because that's only fair. You know? I mean, we're, I mean they're putting up these rinky-dink titles that Layla McCarter has. No offense, but I mean, we've stated here before that even though we have an array of, of issues with the sanctioning bodies, you know, and we've, we've, we've repeated them over and over and over on this show for 98 episodes, you know. But we do all believe that the four major sanctioning bodies are the WBC, the WBA, the IPF, and the WBO. You know, all these little titles that they have and, and the one that McCarter has, I mean, I don't even know what they are. I can't even tell you what those titles are off the top of my head because who cares, you know? So we know it's a keep busy fight. What happened in the negotiations, I wasn't privy to it. I wasn't sitting there. I wasn't on the phone calls. You know. You know, we talked to Layla McCarter on the show here before, not too long ago, and we asked her about that stigma of, of that she has that making it difficult to put a fight with her because of the certain demands that she makes and she answered that question. So does that fall under that, that that she's being difficult? I don't know. I don't know the details. So um, I haven't, I read the, I read some of the comments that they went back and forth regarding the negotiation, but we weren't there. So, I mean, I see your point, Yeah. but
1: yeah. you
2: know, I, I just, you know what, it is what it is. You
1: know what upsets me? You know what upsets me about it is I, I don't know if all the contracts were posted on, on social media, but it sure seems like everything was started being transparent about the, the negotiations um, because I believe Brian, not only Brian Cohn was putting it out there, but, you know, Layla was answering to all the posts, too. So there was a lot on social media, um, and everybody got to see the whole discussion on social media and the contracts. I don't know if you, you looked at them, David, but there were some contracts that were posted on social media. I didn't see um, anything different in those contracts. I mean, I didn't see anybody there wasn't that, a contract, that had though. to stay with Tabella, like she was saying that. You know, Debella they, wanted
2: to. There was more yeah. than there was more than said. I, I I was privy to most of it, and there's a there's more, there's more to it than than what you what, what you mentioned. Uh, I'm not going to discuss it because it's negotiations, you know. Negotiations are negotiations, and they're not going to tell you everything. And I know mm-hmm. the things that were left out. And if if I start stating all these things, then Basically, I'm taking sides, and I'm you know, we're just reporting on what fights take place.
1: I hope I'm not sounding like I'm taking sides, but I just want to know like, a lot of Americans go to Mexico and they buy fights. Is the fight she's doing in Mexico going to be a bot fight, or is that like a fight that is a real fight? I have no idea.
2: Well, I have no idea.
0: Being being in Mexico, and, and, and that's a big misconception. That people have. I'm not gonna lie to you and say that that there hasn't been instances that you could come into Mexico and pay a guy to take a dive. Okay, I am not gonna lie and say that that doesn't happen. But coming to Mexico and buying a fight doesn't mean that you're buying a, an opponent to take a dive or to lose on purpose. What you're doing is that you're basically just paying their purse. You're giving you you, you go to the promoter and say I I need. Let's just put a, a hypothetical. I need a four-rounder for a flyweight. How much is it going to cost? Okay, well, it's going to cost your license. going to cost her license. It's going to cost her hotel. It's going to cost her food, and it's going to cost her purse. So it's going to be $1,000 plus whatever the promoter wants to make on top of that. So it's going to cost you $1,000, okay? But, I mean, are they going to find you a killer? Are they going to find you somebody that is going to beat you because – you're paying for the fight obviously not. obviously the scales are are are, are, are in your favor you know but that that right. fighter is in there trying to win the fight they're going to be overmatched and they might be overweight because they're naturally a, a light flyweight or a, a strawweight but they're going to try to win the fight they're not going to take a dive from the ones that I've seen yeah, yeah, here you're pay here, for here you know
1: fight, instead of getting paid you're going to pay for that fight why would you pay for a fight and have just a keep busy fight? I mean, she is amazing, Layla McCarter. and if So she's who's going to pay for her fight?
2: So who,
0: who, who, so who's going to pay for her fight? Well, I'm who, asking. I'm asking.
1: Well, that's what
0: I'm saying. She, that's what she saying She doesn't have a promoter. She doesn't have anybody to pay for her fight in the United States. She doesn't have anybody that can pay her a purse right now to fight somebody in the United States. And she wants to stay busy. So now she has moved on. To pay for a fight in Mexico. Actually, I saw the poster and it says Layla Mark Carter promotion. So she's technically yes. working yeah. what is, what is as a promoter now. Is she a promoter now?
1: Or how does she, that work? She, 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 she could have bought
0: paying, If she's paying for the fight, she's a promoter because she's putting on the fight. So if she bought a license, so she's a say. promoter. Like, so <laughs> uh, I'm yeah.
1: just saying that uh, I would rather, but, uh, you, you so know, what, I so would get. But
0: this is, the, this is the alternative, okay? I see what you're saying, but this is the alternative. If I don't go and pay for that fight and I don't pay this girl to fight me, then I don't fight. So as a fighter, what are you supposed to do, Blanca? You own a gym. You have fighters. You're doing a, a, a private camp to get some work for your fighters. They're amateurs, but you're doing what you need to do to get some work for your fighters. So her, as a professional, what is she supposed to do? If there's nobody Take out the there
1: that's well, we if they leave. gave her,
0: then here we go, and then we're we'll go back, we're back to square one, and and not knowing all the details of why she didn't take that fight, you know, and if we get her on the show, she's not gonna tell us because it's well, a well, negotiation, like, we, like 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 David says, you have to keep some stuff. It's like playing poker. You guys negotiated fights, Blanca. It's like playing poker. You know, you gotta keep some stuff to uh, to your chest so that way. You know that you're trying to get the best deal that you can. You know, that's why that's why a lot of people have said that boxing and female boxing as well is a sport disguised as a business. It's a business disguised as a sport. You know, I, I had it backwards, but it's a business it's a business disguised as a sport because at the end of the day, you're trying to get the biggest purse that you can with the least strings attached for you to get in that ring and
2: fight, David. Exactly. Yeah,
1: I think I also think what, what she's trying to do is keep busy and try to get the fight with Katie Taylor or yeah. you know, one of these other fighters. But I don't I just don't see her getting that opportunity. I mean personally I just Kaylee for the belt, get the belt. If she you know, if she thinks she can beat Kaylee, get the belt and then say I got Yeah, the belt. There's, there's streams
2: attached.
0: And that's what she doesn't want. Mm-hmm. She wants to go in, fight for the belt, and then there not to be any strings attached. And that's the business exactly. of boxing because the person isn't that owns... The
1: strings, isn't the strings attached um, a contract that says, I mean, I think, because I, I think I talked to you too, isn't the strings attached a contract that says, okay, you sign, you sign this contract, and then that means that if Eddie Hearn offers you the fight, that we have the opportunity to offer you a fight at a higher amount. So I believe that, I believe that's the stipulation of the contract that the, the promoter gets to have conditions. It's, called, to beat it's,
0: called, it's options. There's options. Yeah. And so, for I mean, whatever I mean,
1: reason,
0: I don't know, do we for we whatever, want to whatever reason. You take
1: that opportunity to make more money? For uh, whatever reason.
2: I'll, Hold I'll, on. I'll discuss before. that later. <laughs>
0: Yeah, before we, we I'm gonna discuss it with you
2: to, later, uh, Blanca.
0: We've Saturday, November 14th, Saturday, November 14th, from the Wembley Arena in London, behind closed doors, matchroom boxing on the, on the zone. Katie Taylor versus medium Gutierrez, undefeated in 13 fights for all the marbles at 135 pounds WBC, WBA, WBO, and IBF. Terry Harper against Katharina Sanders at 130 pounds for the WBC title and late sub, Jorgelina Guanini takes on Rachel Ball for the vacant WBA title at 118. Ebony Bridges, our guest here about a month ago, was supposed to be uh, in that fight, but she unfortunately hurt her shoulder. She's back in Australia and hopes to uh, get better by the beginning of 2021 to be able to challenge, her, challenge the winner of that fight. So, great show, guys. There's a lot of stuff to talk about on the table. We just... Unfortunately, we ran out of time. So, with that said, um, from Mr. David Avila, Miss Lupi Gutierrez, Miss Blanca Gutierrez, and myself, Felipe Leon, we say good night, and our next show is scheduled for November nineteenth. See you then. Good night.